Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we're going to be discussing the third episode of the fourth season of Supernatural titled In the Beginning. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, first up, I want to talk logistically. Okay, fantastic. you, (laughs) You told me that when I found out basically that all of Mary's friends and family had died around the same time. Yeah. That I could work out what was happening. Yeah. You lied to me. I did not lie to you. You did. Because <laughs> these aren't normal Crossroads demon deals. Oh. If Mary had made a normal Crossroads demon deals, then yes, that could have clued me in. But, like, none of them, if if this is in fact what happened. Okay. Right? And Azazel then went and made a whole bunch of deals with these people for their kids as well. Yeah, in the same sort of area at the same time. Yeah. In the same sort of area at the same time. Yeah. Then they all would have died in fucking nursery fires. If they were going to die, they were going to die the same way. I mean, maybe... I don't know. Maybe he got bored. Maybe he got creative. You know? Instead of like a nursery fire, he was like, oh, heart attack for you, sir. I don't know, Jamie. <laughs> It's a valid criticism. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm sorry for misleading you. <laughs> because I shall repent. Logistically. Like, how how does it work that, okay, he made a whole bunch of deals for a whole bunch of people's children around the same time in the, around the same place. Yeah. Fine. Great. I believe it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they, like, if it was all connected to Azazel making deals, I don't understand why. Like, okay, we've established John is a bad hunter. For, yes. That's we know this. Yes. But surely John would have at least half put together some pieces. Well, I guess he kind of did half put together some pieces. He's just a bit... You, like, here's the thing. Because you made the point a couple episodes ago about how you'd think that John would have noticed that Mary's friends and family yeah. died. And then we get in this episode that he literally has their names listed in the fucking journal about like people that he thinks the demon may have come into contact with. Yeah. But never seems to actually put those pieces of information together unless it's just one of the many fucking things that john did think of and then just didn't think would be important information to share with literally anyone else yeah which means that it's completely fucked up sam and dean because this would have been really valuable information for them to have had two seasons ago yet they were not privy to. Mm. So, yeah, really it just boils down to John being kind of shit. Which, mm. honestly, everything in Supernatural kind of boils down to, if we're being real. But, look, valid criticism. I'm sorry for misleading you. Yeah, because if it was a normal Crossroads demon deal, then the way they all died makes sense. Yeah, But the ways. issue is, this deal doesn't require them to die. Yeah, it's only if he gets interrupted, yeah. essentially, is when they die. I don't know. I guess the other thing that we could kind of interpret from that is it doesn't necessarily mean that this was the only type of deal he was making. True. Because he makes the point that, like, he likes Mary. Like, he's picking, I think he says in the episode, like, the perfect breeders, which is, like, a horrible way to put it. But, like, you know, he's looking for people that meet certain criteria, which is really fun. The whole time you've been talking about your genetics theories, Mm -hmm. this has been in the back of my mind. And it's been so fun because, like, yeah, he's, like, looking for specific traits in in people or in couples where he's like, I think that this is going to be like, good for what my end goal is. And so... What gets me is he's, like, he's talking about creating, like, an entire race of, like, these half-demon babies. Yeah. Right? And then he goes ahead in the future and just kills them all fucking off. (laughs) He's like, ah, yes, I'm going to make, like, this superior race of, like, babies who have my blood. And then in the future, he literally just pits them all against each other so they all die. times change. Survive. Adapt. Overcome. (laughs) 
That was wrong. It's improvise, adapt, overcome. Oh. No, you're mean. Fuck, I'm so sorry. Okay, here's the thing though. Because what Azazel says is yes, he's yes. going to create his own race of like demon baby hybrids. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what he says. But what's interesting is he makes a point that that is not his end game. And Cass also makes the point that like this is what they know, yeah. but they don't know the end game. They don't yeah. know what the point of it all was. And like also we get at the end of season two, like that he needs like a leader for hell. So it's like yeah. whether or not his game plan just sort of changed along the way, mm. or like it was actually not his intent at all, it's just what he was mm. saying. Yeah. Like there's mind games going on here. These seasons actually almost get kind of like political almost in their interactions, and it's interesting. It might even literally just be that he's like, you know, when you're a researcher and you sort of say whatever the fuck you need to say to get funding. Yeah. So like his original research proposal was like, I want to create a race of super babies. And then later on they were like, oh, well, we need like. How are the super babies going? And he was like, huh? And then like later on they were like, oh, well, we need like a new like half human leader of hell who can do things that a full blown demon can't. And he's like, oh, do I have, like, the solution for you? <laughs> so what you're saying is he went to Demon Shark Tank and just pitched this. And then, like, midway through, <laughs> he realized it wasn't working and had to pivot. I love that. I love imagining the business meetings. <laughs> like, Hell HQ just yeah. knuckling down on their uh, their marketing mm-hmm. strategies. While we are talking about the demon and everything that's gone down with this deal, I have... A really particular question. There are so many things to talk about this episode. I've been so pumped to talk to you about this one for so long. And I'm sure you understand why. I have one very specific question. Yeah. And I am interested to know how you might solve this problem, right? Because I kind of want to workshop it a little bit. Okay, yeah. Always always open for workshopping. Okay, so skipping right to the end of the episode. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. John and Mary are in the car by the lake. John is trying to propose. Mary is trying to be like, John, you know, there are things you don't know. And then... But also, Mary, baby, he's not worth it. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I'm, oh, we're going to talk a lot about John in this episode. We'll get to that. Then we have what she thinks is her dad show up. But obviously, yeah. he's her dad is dead by this point. Azazel has stabbed him yeah. in the gut. As soon as Azazel's no longer using him as a meat suit, he's, he's got to drop He's dead. Yeah, exactly. So he shows up, drags around the car, it's a whole thing. And then, inevitably, he snaps John's neck, right? And then that's what prompts Mary to make the deal. What I want to know is, how does Mary explain to John how her dad ended up stabbed and dead next to the car when there is no one else around? Like, what is the explanation there? Does John just think Mary straight up murdered her own father? Because they never, ever explain this. Maybe, like, they say someone, like, tried to mug them or something. Yeah, but who? They knocked John out, so he didn't see, like, they come up from behind, they knocked John yeah. out. so we'll say, even if she convinces him that Samuel knocked John yeah. out, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it left the two of them. And then what, like, the Zodiac killer yeah. fucking showed up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then killed her dad, and somehow she survived? Yeah. Without a scratch, and also the mug is gone. Like, I just yeah. think it literally just looks like... It's it's suspicious as hell. <laughs> it's like, literally, like, don't, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. suspicious. Literally, though, how does she explain her way out of that situation? Like, there is just yeah. no... Like, my my only thing is, like, to try and frame it as, like, a carjacking or something. Yeah. Like, a third unknown person, she saw them coming or something, and so she went and hid. Yeah. But then you've also got to explain her dead mother back yeah. in the house. Like, how did she explain any of this to John? Or the police, for that yeah, matter. Yeah, because here's the, here's, here's the other thing. <laughs> This 
this all happens, right? Mm -hmm. And then they stay in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, you good fucking point. Because it's not like it's not like she just like here's the thing. If because like she if she had gone like oh let's run away together. Yeah. Like my mum will never approve. Let's run away together. Yeah. Like she could sort of just dodge the question and just say like look no I'm not even initiating contact with mum because like yeah doesn't even know she's dead. Yeah. yeah. Except that the demon. But like they used to live in this town. I know, and like, it's. It's so fucking I mean, fun. Like, they would have had a funeral. They would have done the whole thing. Because why wouldn't they? So what is John just at the funeral? Well, Mary, like, like as much as Mary's like, I want out of the life. Mary might have still just like gone and burnt the bodies. Yeah, actually, that's like a good Hunter's point. Hunter's funeral. funeral. Yeah. yeah. But then again, how would she explain that? How would she explain anyone? the fact that her parents had just disappeared? Disappeared off the face of the pl- fucking planet. And like, mind you, John at this point has seen her father next to her stabbed. Dad. Yeah. And because he and was all that he would remember before that is that he dragged her out of the car mm-hmm. and knocked John out. Literally, do you think, do you think Mary said to John, I killed my dad. And he was like, I will take this to my grave. Like, is that, I have to assume that yeah. that's what happened. And they literally never cover it in the show. And I don't think he was supposed to think about it, but I can't not. Um, yeah. Mary probably just wove some like sub story about like how she was scared or whatever. And like. She accidentally stabbed yeah. him somehow. Like, yeah. Because she also, she, there's no weapon. No. Like, what? She just told them, oh, yeah, I freaked out and I lobbed it into the lake. Like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, that, it's just, it's so funny. I love this episode. This yeah. is one, this is one that I will go back and rewatch mm. for so many reasons. Mm. But that particular point has always bothered me and I have never been able to find a satisfactory solution yeah. to the problem. It just doesn't exist. Unless the angels went back. Yeah. And somehow retcon something about it. Because yeah. that's really the only way. But also, Cass has a line about predestination. Yes. I don't know how time travel works in Supernatural. I don't think Supernatural knows how time travel works in Supernatural. If I'm being totally honest, there's a plot about the Titanic. It's... <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Sometimes you say words. Yeah. And I don't think they mean what you think they mean. <laughs> because you just say these words. Yeah. And it sounds like they're nonsense. I know. But they're so they're so true and valid. We'll get there. So, like, I don't... At this point, I, like, this episode did not tell me anything about how time travel works in Supernatural. No, they and really skated over that. And whether it's, like, a mechanism of, like, you know how some time travel... It's, like, you time travel backwards. Mm-hmm. And then you being there just means everything runs the exact same way it originally ran. Yeah. Because, like, it's an the timeline is fixed and you traveling back has always been part of the timeline. So yeah. it's like, even if you traveled back in time with the intention of changing something, you can't actually change something because you always travel back in time with the intention of changing something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you trying it's- to change it has always been part of the timeline. Yeah. Or if it's something like, there are fixed points on the timeline and you travel back and you can change like certain details around those points, but those points still come to pass because yeah. they have been the way that solid. The way that I kind of think about time travel often in like media is kind of like, I mean, as opposed to what I think about it in the context of real life, yeah. is, is kind of like, you know, in like Greek myth, when for legal purposes, no, me and Bethany have not discovered a way to travel back in time. <laughs> that would be highly illegal based on code... 6GE5, and so we're not going to go into that. This is all theoretical and hypothetical. We're not Time Lords, promise. (laughs) 
the way that I think about it is, you know, in like Greek myth, yeah, when like they hear a a prophecy, yeah, and then they do everything they can to Oedipus. avoid it, and inevitably it ends up Oedipus. Yes, I know. I I'm explaining for the benefit of anyone who's listening at home who may not immediately have the same brain as me. <laughs> But yes, essentially. Me having the same brain as you is highly concerning to me on multiple <laughs> levels. So we're going to continue on. Sometimes we share brain cells. And it felt like we were having a moment. So sue me. <laughs> My point is, like, that's kind of how I think about it. So it's sort of like, is an inevitability. So mm. even there's a timeline in which Dean does not go back. Mm. And this somehow, like, it plays out slightly differently. But the certain, like, the beats that were necessary play out the yeah. same way. Fix like, the, like fix Mary's the events, parents, but it's a fluid timeline. Yeah, Mary's parents still die. Mm. The demon still gets a scent of Mary. John is still dead somehow, and she still makes a deal to bring him back. Those events, regardless of how they occur, oh, and, and John buys the Impala, mm. which we'll come back to. Like those events still happen if Dean wasn't there. It's just that they have different instigators. The fact that Dean is there, he becomes the instigator, mm. you know. But like those points never change. Yeah, and like that's I think at least in this instance, that's how I interpret it, mm. and the way that Cass talks about destiny, and actually. We will find out more about this and how much is predetermined yeah. later on. Like, we actually yeah. do get further context. Though, so in an alternate timeline where Dean doesn't go back, I think it'd be really fun if John does buy the van, right? But then Mary goes and buys the Impala. Okay, you want to know something really funny? Do you remember when we recorded, or I want to say maybe Shadow? Like, it was seasons ago. Is that the one where they were talking about, like, I think I might know what you're talking where they're talking to Meg, I think it might be, and she's like, all your personalities from your father, like the jacket, the car, the... That's actually not what I was going to no. talk about, but that is still highly relevant. Because I, have I just remember because the they do specifically mention the car. Yeah. And I remember saying, I think it'd be really funny if like none of it actually came from John. If yeah. it was all from like Bobby or like... Or Mary. Yeah. Or Mary okay. or like... Yes. Okay. So that's part of my point. Part of my point is that the car was never John's. No. Dean chose the car. For like, John. The Impala yeah. has always been Dean's. And that just brings me such a joy. Yeah. Like, that car was never John's. Mm. Ever. And I just love that. But that's not actually the point I was going to make. Yeah. The point I was going to make is we had a discussion about how suspicious the Impala is. Yeah. And I said to you, Jamie, tell me what you think would be more suspicious. <laughs> the Impala or a panel van. <laughs> And we had a whole discussion about what yeah. would be more suspicious. And this is why I asked you. Yeah. Because it was just so funny to me because I was like, do you know what would be so much more suspicious than the Impala? That van. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was really funny. I like, that's why I asked you about that so long ago because I was thinking about this episode. I think though it does kind of come down to a state by state basis. Yeah. Because I do not think that van is more suspicious than like California. Okay. Because you just look like a fucking hippie. You, or like, you look like someone who's converted it to, like, be a mobile yeah. home. Yeah. yeah you, you know what I mean? Like, some states. You look like, like you're an influencer on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do have a, another car-related point. Okay. Um, my car-related point is, how the fuck does Dean, the classic car man, not notice the sudden abundance of classic cars when he wakes up on that park bench? Like, how is he not like, wow, what is going on here? Because every single car in that scene obviously is a classic car and most of them in like mint condition because they're only like they're brand spanking yeah, they're all under 10 years old like. yeah exactly and he's just like la di da di da i'm just gonna cross the street and not have a care in the world and like sure he just got time traveled back yeah you know whatever but Cass is being cryptic as hell about it as well <laughs> i know i fucking love him this entire episode do you remember 
years and years ago, like, I'm going back, like, at least a decade, there was, like, the one internet joke, which was, like, instructions unclear, dick got caught in a fan, like, that, this is that as an episode. (laughs) There is a supernatural version of that joke, and I can't tell you it. I can't because it's a spoiler. (laughs) I just want to bring up decade-old memes on my supernatural podcast like it is my God-given right to do. No, there's such a funny meme about that and I will tell you about it, but I can't because it's in context of a spoiler. Okay, let's ignore the supernatural, but but you've got to admit, this entire episode is like that, but (laughs) as an episode. Like, it's that joke taken to like 50. Yeah. Because like... The entire thing is, if Cass had just said, oh, hey, look, Azazel is here to make deals, we need to see if we can stop any of them from getting made. Mm-hmm. That gives Dean some goddamn information. Because, like, what? You'll, this is a running theme, which is, do you remember last episode we were talking a lot about, like, Ruby and Cass mm-hmm. being, like, the, the various mouthpieces for, like, their kind and of... And mirrors to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like funhouse mirrors, but still mirrors. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of what I was talking about when I was saying that, like, the information goes through filters. Yeah. Like, Cass is only allowed to yeah. tell Dean as much information as his superiors deem yeah. appropriate. Like, this is an order that he has received. This isn't him just being like, oh, I'm going to pop down to Earth and send Dean back to 19... Like, no. It, this, is, this is a mission for him. Yeah. And there is a reason that... You know, they they want Dean to have this information. Like Cass says at the very end of the episode, now you know everything we do. And yes, they could have just told him that information. But angels have a certain, um, they like to be dramatic. <laughs> like all of them. You'll see, like they just have a flair like for drama. Like they will just do everything in the most dramatic way possible. If they're trying to like teach you a lesson, it'll come about in the most fucking convoluted way possible. And like, so new new crack theory: the uh-huh. trickster is actually an angel. <laughs> okay, so similar, like similar concept. So like, yeah, yeah like I get, but, yeah, I get where your why your brain's going. Uh, so similar concept, like yeah, they'll they'll take something, they'll make it so elaborate, like they could just tell you the information. Yeah, or they could well, just at like, this point, there is nothing to disprove my theory that the trickster is an angel. <laughs> so like, we're going with it. Okay. Like eventually, I'm sure we'll get something that'll disprove it, but I don't know that yet. So Done I get to live. <laughs> Um, we'll wait to see if we get more more trickster. That's oh, the... I reckon we're going to get more trickster. Isn't the actor who plays him running the official Supernatural podcast now? <laughs> yeah. I doubt they're letting someone who was in two episodes run the official <laughs> Supernatural podcast. That's the point. He did also um, do like direction and stuff though yeah. later in the series. Oh, okay. So there's like he has other involvement. Mm. But yeah, that's such a funny theory. <laughs> like, can I just ask? Yeah. Obviously, you don't need to tell me. But do we ever get anything that would definitively disprove it, or is it one of those ones where it's like? Well, it's unlikely, but we never like. So you're asking me, like, could this be like a fan and head? Yeah, I guess you can't disprove it. Okay, lovely. So like, this could just be your headcanon. Like, this could be your head. Yeah, like, obviously, I'm obviously they're never gonna. It's never gonna be like canonical, but yeah. like you can't disprove it. <laughs> so it's just what you're gonna choose yeah. to believe. Uh-huh. I'm about to message the group chat. You're like, yo, guys, <laughs> I think I've cracked the code. <laughs> Like, what do you guys think? Like, I think I've cracked the code. <laughs> Beth I thought I was very funny. Enjoy. <laughs> it is kind of like, exa- like, I'm glad that you came up with that, like, as an analogy, because it's actually the perfect example. Yeah. Like, mm. it's a very similar concept, like, mm. and we'll see it throughout, throughout the series. Like, they will always find the most fucking roundabout. Like, this is yeah. not the only time there's time travel. 
we have like alternate universe like episodes one off where they instead of just telling you oh hey look this is what happened mm. they're like we're gonna show you what would have happened if this thing didn't happen in this other universe literally it's so like, genuinely it's like we have like au versions of yeah our characters because of stuff that the angels have been like you know what we're gonna just wipe your memory of this here you go see how see how you fucking go or they'll be like we don't like the decision that you're thinking of making let's see how it pans out shall we and like that's how they teach them lessons and like that's how they like play with them essentially and try to influence them is through psychology it's fucking fascinating it's also the entire plot of the mystery spot yeah i get like yeah this is the thing this is why it's such a good analogy like if you think about it in that way and I kind of love that your brain went there because it's it's really fun is that I've never thought about it that way but it's perfect yeah it's exactly on brand I guess yeah and it's it's so fun to like see it especially so early into like angels being introduced also it would be fucking hilarious just in terms of like fandom yeah if the trickster actually was an angel because everyone's like oh Cass was the first angel we got and it's like no no (laughs) no actually this other dude showed up seasons ago (laughs) Cass is like showing up doing his whole like big fancy show with his wings and his like exploding wire bulbs and it's like "Mm, actually this other dude Sorry, I just can't get over that. That's like literally the perfect analogy. And I love that you made that thought process. I can't believe I didn't make that connection. I'm very proud of you. I think it's the brain ones. That was an insult of the highest caliber <laughs> right now. I'm so sorry. I will not. I'm going to wildly swing our topic. Okay. Yep. I know we already kind of talked about mm-hmm. the car mm-hmm. and how it brings me so much joy that mm-hmm. it is Dean's. Yeah. I very quickly want to mention the fact that John says that he promised Mary that he was going to buy this van and then he showed up with the Chevy. And let me just say, if I was Mary, I would be fucked off. I would be pissed. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, wow, what a fun car. Where's the van? I would I would be like, where the fuck is the van? <laughs> Though I do think it's very funny because the way he's, like, the way he tries to pitch it to Mary is literally, like, verbatim the way Dean, Dean pitched, pitched it. Him, yeah. Which, like, is he meant to be, like, in a mechanic in this, like, situation? It yeah. sounds like he's just as bad at being a mechanic as he is at being a hunter. <laughs> Which is like... What I find fascinating is that we talk about how, like, we talk all the time about mm. how Dean is always trying to emulate John. And, like, we get John literally emulating Dean. And it's just yeah. like, you know, like, your whole brain... It's a vicious just... cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. Dean shows up, is the ideal person that John wants to be, yeah. basically. <laughs> well, actually, I think John thinks he's a pretty fucking weirdo but yeah but like you know knows about cars like mysterious dark leather jacket wearing leather jacket wearing (laughs) cool rebel sort of like persona everything that john is not yeah yeah and then like john is like i'm gonna my wife died i've still got kids but i'm gonna become this like (laughs) remember that one dude i met in 1973 Basically becomes this dude and then forces Dean into the mold. And then Dean goes back. Yeah. What is so funny is that Sam is, like, not in this episode. No. The people who wrote this episode were like, (laughs) actually, who did write this episode? I didn't write it. I don't feel like writing Sam this week. I don't know. He can go off and, like, spend some time with Ruby, He can go on a road trip with Ruby. Um, And at the end, Cass will cryptically tell Dean, where is Sam? Yeah. It very much felt like the writers were just like, I don't know, we need to give some sort of reason why Sam wasn't here. Reality, we just didn't feel like... Well, the funny thing is you would think that this is something that they would want both Sam and Dean present for. Yeah. Um, it was written by Jeremy Carver. 
Okay. So, future showrunner. Does he ignore Sam a lot? <laughs> do you know what? I'm not familiar enough. Oh, actually, do you know what? Season eight, actually, maybe he just hates Sam. The Jeremy Camp. Carvel Longcon. <laughs> maybe he just hates Sam. Oh my god. Like, thinking of season eight, nine, and ten. Particularly eight and nine. Maybe he just hates Sam. Alright, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Ooh, okay, we'll come back to that. Because, yeah, this entire episode just very much felt like, oh, I don't feel like writing for Sam this week. Like, yeah. Bye, Sam. Looks the- like it's just going to be Dean and his special angel friend. <laughs> Which, like, fellas, bros, bros, is it gay to watch a guy have nightmares? <laughs> okay, I'm so glad you brought this up. So, that scene where Dean wakes up and Kat is like, what were you dreaming about? It's fucking Twilight. That, literally. Okay, <laughs> literally. But this is actually kind of infamous. Mm-hmm. Because this is apparently a scene that they got in trouble for. It was the note, right, on yeah. this scene, mm-hmm. was that Cass could not sit on the bed during the scene because it is too gay. Moments of free will made by Misha Collins that changed the course of queer history. I swear to God. <laughs> you cannot make this shit up. And I just, it's hilarious. That whole sequence. Actually, let's very quickly talk about maybe the scenes with Cass. Okay. And then the scenes with Sam. Okay. And then we'll talk about literally the rest of the episode. Okay. Because those two are only in, like, very small sections, and I think we'll cover our points Though there. Though I think it's very funny that, like, three episodes in, Mish is already in more of the episode than Sam. <laughs> <laughs> literally. It's bizarre. So, like, he gets more screen time in this, this episode. Yeah. It's hilarious to me. Because, like, I thought, oh, he's just going to, like, pop in once to, like, mm-hmm. set up the plot. And then it's just going to be, like... I think he has four separate scenes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, in and out, in and out, in and He's yeah, just randomly five, showing actually. up. Yeah. Yeah. So, this also... Showing up, being cryptic, telling him nothing. This is also an angel thing, but particularly a cast thing. He just, like, appears and then he's, like, bye. He doesn't like, say <laughs> bye, though. Like, no, he just disappears. He just disappears. So... Cass in this episode. Obviously, we've already talked a little bit. One of the things that I really want to talk about is two things where I'm like, interesting choice in terms of queer readings and interpretations. So, obviously, the bed sit, which like they argued was too gay. I actually don't think that that was particularly like a queer coded scenario. Like, here's the thing I don't think the bed sit was the gay thing about that scene. I think the gay thing about the scene was the fact that he was was watching him sleep at all. And then the like, dialogue of like, what were you dreaming of? Like, and the delivery like, is so specific. Like, mind you, this is just after Twilight's been revealed. And like, yeah. the huge romantic fucking thing in that was that Edward's there while Bella's Watching asleep. her sleep, like, yeah. The immortal ancient being watching the one weird human they're obsessed with. Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Literally. I think if you're going to say that scene is too gay, the bed sits the least the of your least consent. of the consent. Yes. Like, okay. The next point is the scene right at the end of the episode where um, they're chatting and Cass is saying, like, you know, now you know all that we know. And I can't remember the line that Dean gives, but Cass just looks at the empty bed. And then Dean looks like there's just a shot of just the empty bed and then them just looking at each other. And it's so... The tension in that is just so funny. And, like, I know that the point is, like, them being like, the bed's empty. Where's Sam? But it's also, you've just got these two grown men looking at each other, full of tension... And then looking at an empty bed and then looking back at each other. And I just think that's hilarious. Like, you can't do this shit accidentally. Like, I, I understand that it's not the intended purpose of the scene. It's just so funny to me that it's in there. Because they could just... He could have just said, where's Sam? 
but he didn't. They, they, that's not what they did, and it's just hilarious. The other thing, and the reason I've left it to last, is because this scene gets used a lot in, like, gift sets mm. and in, like, fan videos, and it's the bit right as Azazel smokes out and yeah. Dean realises he's missed the shot, and he, t- like, Cass, like, touches his shoulder... And he just turns back and he just looks so upset. And Cass has that just like look on his face like, I'm sorry, man. Like that look that they have there and like the shoulder touch is used a lot. It's not like the most like overt thing, but it's just like that moment that they have is, is, is really comes up a lot in like fandom. And actually, I think even in recaps in the show, that particular sort of sequence Anyway, I just wanted to really speed run those. Okay, yeah, yeah. speed run. <laughs> did, speed you, did you have any comments or anything about them, or are you happy to just leave it there? Or anything else about Cass? Mm. That's why I was like, I don't, a lot. I, have, yeah. I don't think I have anything else about those points specifically. But while we are talking about Cass, I do want to say this episode, I got we got something that I think is actually quite important, Okay. which is sort of the first confirmation that Dean's gotten that Cass is genuinely an angel. Mm. Because he's talking to Azazel, and Azazel says, like, to travel back in time, you must have a lot of... Friends upstairs. Friends upstairs. Yeah. Which is the first, like, source outside, outside of Cass, Cass that actually confirms... Yeah, because the only... That Cass is an angel. Because all of the other sources have sort of confirmed that they at least believe in angels. Yeah. But there is no way to, like, directly connect that to Cass. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. And the only other thing that we could maybe argue is that Ruby was, like, pretty convinced. But even then, Dean doesn't know that. Only Sam knows that. And also, Ruby is like, no, if there is any chance at all that this is Angels, I'm out. Yeah. Like, she's like... She's not necessarily saying he is. Yeah. Yeah. She's not saying necessarily that, like, oh, the person who pulled Dean out is an angel. Mm -hmm. She's saying, look, if Angels are anywhere near this thing, I'm out. Like, I am not... So she's basically saying, I believe in them, but she's not actually saying directly, like, you have been assisted by an angel. Like, she's, that's not what she's saying. She's just saying, like, I believe in angels, and if this is angels, that's bad. Yeah. I 100% agree. And also, it does come into, like, yeah, she tells Sam that. She doesn't tell Dean. Whereas, like, for Dean, this is the first, like, actual confirmation from... An outside source. An outside source. Because, like, you know, Sam's like, yeah, it's angels. But it's like, Sam, you know fucking jack shit about this. And also, Sam Sam has always been so willing to believe in angels. So it's almost like you can't, not to, like, shit on Sam. No. You can't really take him as, like, an objective opinion. Because he he has, like, an ulterior, like, he has bias. Sam doesn't know any more than Dean does. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Sam can't say, you know, for certain, angels are 100% real. No. Because he's got the same evidence, essentially, that Dean does. Yeah. Like, they he don't... can believe that in himself, yeah. but he can't objectively prove it as, no. like, science fact. Yeah. No, you make an excellent point, and I actually hadn't thought about it that way either. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, all of the, like, evidence that they've had so far is just based in, like, holy texts. Yeah. And stuff. And you could argue that they're not even... Primary sources. Thank you. Primary yeah. sources. Yeah. And not that Azazel is necessarily a trustworthy no. resource, but... At least it's more of a, like, here's the thing. He actually doesn't know how Dean time traveled. No. So for him to specify you must mm-hmm. have friends upstairs, if the implication is that only an angel or some sort of celestial yeah. being would actually be capable of doing that. Yeah. It's also certainly... this thing, like, Dean didn't say, oh, what do you know about angels or anything? It's just, like, he just heavily implies mm-hmm. that the only way he could imagine Dean going back in time 
is because of an angel. And you know what's really interesting is that you make the point that this is like for Dean, but I guess also for the audience. Yeah. Because at this point, we're kind of running on the same faith that Mm. Sam and Dean are. And like, it's a little different to us because this aired a decade ago. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, now we know for certain that like he wasn't bullshitting, but like, as like watching it as a live viewer. Yeah. Like, not necessarily like having actual confirmation Mm. that like, Cass isn't just some other sort of super demon being who's yeah. like trying to like pull one over them, yeah. you know? Because it like it could be like like a double triple manipulation spy yeah. situation, you know? And like that would be cool. Like obviously you know that like yeah. he is an angel and that's yeah. that's the the play. I mean, but I literally said you like gay angel. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. It, it's one of those things where it's like it's very heavily ingrained in like fandom and that. Like we we know he's an, I know he's an angel. Yeah. Just because of the fandom. Like there is Osmosis. Yeah, it's it's unavoidable. If you know Supernatural, you know the gay angel. And you yeah, also exactly. know that he is confirmed to be an angel. Like, yeah, exactly. But as a, as a live viewer, like, yeah, obviously you could believe what Cass is saying. You could believe he's an angel. Yeah. But there is no, like, technical actual evidence from outside sources who would know. And Cass is also the only angel that we have had contact with. Mm. So it's literally just him the saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess <laughs> based on Jamie's Jamie's supernatural, yeah, never disproven. <laughs> yeah, no. So like this, this yeah, this idea that like we as the audience and like neither Sam or Dean or Bobby for that matter actually have real empirical proof mm. outside of like well the facts sort of seem to match up and that's what mm. he's saying. Yeah, and like yeah, at the moment he is the only one of the species that they have had any interaction with. So it's not like they can get any, like, other sort of story confirmed from anywhere else. Mm. Yeah. But for a powerful demon, I'm prompted to basically say the only way I imagine you could do this Mm -hmm. is from... Some sort of, like, celestial intent. Yeah, or, like, heavenly intervention. Yeah. It does heavily imply that what Cass is saying is true. He is an angel. Yeah, I love that reading. I... Love that that's where you've gone with that because it didn't even occur to me. Yeah. But yeah, perfect. Perfect. I'm giving you a good grade. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I go for. A good grade in media analysis. Yes. While we're on cast. Yeah. Obviously, the end of the episode, the mm-hmm. episode actually ends in a to be continued. Yes, it does. Which is, I think, other mm. than like the finales that are like two-parter, yeah. well, the season two finale was the only... Oh no, season one Season two. one was a two-parter. Season two was a two-parter. Season three it was, was not. not. Yes. So... Other than season finales so far, we haven't had... This is our third two-parter yeah. so far in the first three seasons and, and three episodes. Do you know what's really funny is we actually get another two-parter in the middle of this season. Episodes 9 and 10 they are They really also... realised they'd given us jack shit, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so the plot in this season really picks the fuck up, you may have noticed, by episode yeah. three. <laughs> we already have more information in this one episode than we got from the first three seasons combined. By, by episode three of the first season, we knew that... Dad was missing. Exactly. So, anyway, the reason that I bring this up is because Cass, at the very end of this episode, essentially threatens mm-hmm. Dean and says, like, you're Sam. You're Sam. <laughs> you're Sam. You're, I went to say son. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you're, you're brother. It took me a yeah. whole minute to remember the word brother, not son. Yeah. Or child. Because I went to correct myself and say child. <laughs> I mean, it would still be accurate, but... Your brother is on, like, a dangerous path or, like, a dark yeah. path. And, like, we don't know where it's heading. And if you can't stop him, then we will. And I find that 
really interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because it it kind of like leaves you with a little bit of like, oh, what is up with Sam and his yeah. powers and stuff that he's been working on with Ruby? But it also is like an interesting flip on the script of John. Yeah. Being like, if you can't save him, you might have to kill him. They're being like, if you can't fix this, we'll kill him. And it's a much more like... It means that Dean has lost all control. Yes. Because before Dean was able to make the choice of, okay... He's like, gone too far. I need to... Yeah. First of all, Dean would never have killed Sam. Yeah. Like, we know this. It's... We've gone over it so there many There is times. at least six episodes that you can point to that are... Yeah. Immediately evidence. Yeah. Like, crow a toe and off the... You know, immediately. Yeah. You know. But the point being that Dean had that final call. Whereas it was now... his choice when it was too late and he could no longer save... Exactly. But now that choice has been taken from him. And the other thing is that now someone else is implying that they're going to determine when they think things have gone too far, regardless of what Dean thinks. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting moment, I think, because it really strips some of his sort of like free will. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. And that's like a a theme that goes through the whole show is this concept of free will. It it does imply that whatever's happening with Ruby Sam is a... The angels Not, don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the thing. We don't even know if we can trust the angels right now. So yeah. it's like, you think you can because they're angels, but then Cass last episode made the point that angels aren't what we think they are. Yeah. So it's it's like you don't know whose side you should really be sort of enlisting in, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, do we want to sort of segue into Sam? He was named after his grandfather. Yes. And Dean was named after his grandmother. Yes. They made that choice. I know. Unironically, I they know. made that choice. At this point, these characters are, and un- they decided mm-hmm. four seasons in, mm-hmm. what really needed to happen, yeah, was to continuously frame Dean as the maternal female figure in every way possible. And mind you, <laughs> Dean was born first. I know. I know. It's not know. just. Well, I'm. I'm sorry. Okay, hear me out. Right. They named. Dean Dean after Deanna. Yeah, Lovely. Sure. Great. Yeah. I, I love that. It's a, it's a it's still a fitting name. I also love the name it's nice. Deanna. It's 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 like just a hint of, you know, heritage. Mm-hmm. Fully intending to also name one of their children after like her father. Yeah. What would have happened if Sam was a girl? I assume Samantha. It just I like I assume. It's like why why wouldn't you you, why wouldn't you be like, ah, yes, We've had my a... firstborn son, I shall name him after my father. Yeah. And then if you had a second son, oh, I'll modify I'll the name. the mother's name. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that was a conscious choice. Yeah, I know. Or, third option, mm-hmm. it's not what we think at all. Mary named Dean after Dean. Oh, fuck off. That's... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. She named him after this one random dude. That she met. No. Once. No. For like 24 hours. No. She named him after his grandmother and that's... I won't accept anything else. Maybe in the original timeline. Oh, I... You know what, Jamie? You need to stop. (laughs) I feel personally attacked. I mean, that's just basically the tagline of this podcast, isn't it? (laughs) I guess that's fair. We did immediately get sidetracked from Sam, though, which is not unlike this episode, but... I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't really know what to say about Sam in this episode. No, because he's in okay. it for 30 seconds. Like, legitimate. I thought, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get a Dean-focused episode. Uh-huh. And, like, 
even like previous theme focus episodes, like what is and what should ever be. Yeah. An episode that I definitely think we should directly contrast. Oh, absolutely. To this one. Yes. Get to that later on. Even that, even though it doesn't have like Sam Sam, yeah. it has a Sam. You know yeah. what I mean? We've still got Jared's face. We've still got a character who is essentially Sam. Yeah. This episode. He's just not there. I think he has one line. Yeah, and it's like to Ruby. It's to Ruby. Okay. I have like one point that I want to make about Sam. Okay, yeah, which is right at the start. The only notable thing about Sam in this episode is his absence. That's a really interesting point. The one note that I had about Sam in this episode is why is he walking like that? At the start of the episode, he looks like an NPC. Like, you know how you see the, like, vines and TikToks of whatever, and people are, like, doing the NPC walk, like, into walls and stuff? He literally is walking like that. If you look at his arms, he's just holding them out at his... Like, he literally looks like a Lego character. It's bizarre. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That was, like, the literally only note I had. But I am interested to know... And I guess this is, like, eking a little bit into, like, the next week predictions sort of segment. But, like, do you have any thoughts about what he's sneaking out to do? Like, other than, I guess, I guess you kind of already know that Ruby's been helping him with his, like, yeah. psychic. We're finally yeah. getting demon boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's and demon tutoring. Ruby's feeding, feeding him, like, protein thick shakes with demon blood. <laughs> Oh, actually, this is another point I did want to make about Sam in this episode, where Azazel is, like, taunting Dean, and he oh, makes yeah, a point says- about demon blood, like, it's better than whatever brand name he uses, like, full of vitamins and minerals. Tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, you know, vitamins, minerals, makes you big and strong. And I'm like, is this why Sam is so tall? How buff is Sam actually? How buff is Sam actually? But I was like, damn, is this why he's a literal giant? Like, is this is this canon? I don't, look, <laughs> of all the jokes that we made in the first season of this podcast, how buff is Sam actually was not one I was expecting to carry through. That's why when you said it initially, I was like, change topic immediately. Because I was like, <laughs> my brain just went straight to seasons four and five. For a bit of reference, we had to pause our recording to go and have some dinner. And we're now back. We're full of Thai food, and it's a dream. It's delicious. It's a good decision. Now, we were talking about... about how buff is Sam, actually. How buff is Sam, actually. Do you have any other points you want to make about Sam, or shall we just move on? No. I just... I'm still gobsmacked at that how relevant that fucking joke was. Yeah. Because it was just, like... I know. And, like, in the third episode, too, I now, was just like, damn, this is going to be an absolute fucking vibe for me. <laughs> Every time you open your mouth, I'm like, there's a 50% chance you're going to deal me massive psychic damage. <laughs> Okay, anyway, moving on. How buff is Sam, actually? No one goddamn knows. Yeah. Because apparently demon blood is, like, fucking crack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like vitamins, Jamie. <laughs> okay, let's completely change the topic. We've talked okay. about Sam. He's not in this episode a lot. He's not really relevant. Let's yeah. move on. Okay. As opposed to all of the episodes where he is relevant and we move on anyway. <laughs> okay, you mentioned earlier yeah. that you wanted to do some, like, comparative analysis. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see your thoughts on this. Obviously, there is the immediate, like, comparison point of, like, both episodes in which it's just Dean. Yeah. Like, what is and what should never be. Obviously, Sam is there. We get, like, a you, Sam. Quote, unquote. It's not actually Sam. Yeah. Like, it is a version of Sam, but it's not actually Sam. Mm -hmm. I I would say, arguably, that Sam has no real impact on either plot. Yeah. No. Like, just because it's not about him. No. Like, he's got his own plot lines happening. Yeah. 
Except for in season three, they really just took away all of them, didn't they? Season three is weird, honestly. Season three, let's just, other than the main plot points that we actually need and stuff that will be relevant in later seasons, just disregard. Here's what I find really weird about season three and the way that other people regard it. Two second tangent, I swear to God. Yeah. It's a Dean-focused season, like 100%. And every Dean stan I know hates it. Actually, that's a good fucking point. Or, like, not hates it, but, like, dislikes it comparatively. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, I think it just shows that, like, you can be the biggest Dean Stan there is, mm-hmm. but unless you also have Sam for balance, yeah, like, the show's no good. Yeah, you need both of them. You need both of them. Like, as much as you can be like, oh, I'm, like, a Dean girl or whatever, mm-hmm. like, without Sam, the show does not have the same emotional resonance. Yeah, no, I think you're correct. And that's actually a really interesting observation because I've never thought about it like that. But, like, now that you've said it, I'm like, oh, that's, like, weirdly... Because arguably up to this point, like, season three has been the most Dean-focused season so far. In terms of, like, overarching especially. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, of, like, when I've talked to people about what their favourites and what their least favourites are, no one seems to say season number three is their favourite. If season number three is your favourite, and particularly if you identify as, like, a Dean stan, like, let us know. Because, like, it's an interesting point, and, like, I would say that probably in the circles that I run, I would agree with that sort of... Generalization. Generalization. Yeah, like, but as a general observation, like, I would probably agree. It's just interesting. Mm. Um, But anyway, so comparatively with what is and what should never be. So obviously, Dean focus. Yeah. It's also looking Mm -hmm. at sort of what is. Yeah. And what has been. So it's it's also got like Mary Mm -hmm. as sort of like Dean not knowing what to do with the mother. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that this episode is worse because it also has John. But. John's almost not even John. John so, doesn't – this is almost like in What Is and What Should Never Be, we had Sam but not really. We kind yeah. of have John but not really. Like, it's John yeah. as he was before we knew him in the sense that Sam is as he was if yeah. Mary had never died. So it's like – it's not a direct comparison because obviously this is actually what John was like, whereas, yeah. like, this is, like, potentially what Sam could have been like. That's sort of what Dean theorizes Sam would be like. Yeah, but um, it is interesting as a point. But no, so I think it's really it's really interesting to sort of look at these two and look also like just the entire premise. Yeah, lines up really nicely. Mm-hmm. Dean has a random thing happen to him. Mm-hmm. He wakes up somewhere he has no idea fucking where. Yeah, in what is what should never be. Of course, that's in the bed with his with Carmen. fictional girlfriend Carmen. Yeah, in this one he's waking up on a bench. Park bench. Yeah. On the side of the street, he wakes up. He has no idea, and he's sort of like fumbling his way through, trying to work out. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. With, like, little to no guidance. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, Kaz has given him nothing. Here. Yeah. Like, he, literally, loves, he loves to give him nothing. Literally nothing. It's like, yeah. yes, Queen, give us nothing. <laughs> so it's really interesting to see, like, the ways that these episodes are similar. Yeah. Because one way they are really similar is the way they've lit them. And I don't know if that's just because it's sort of taking a break from the main plot. Main plot, like this is reality, this is monster heart. Dark and gritty. And, and like the dark, dingy alleyway. Dark and gritty, yeah. Like dark and gritty, you know. Yeah, supernatural. Supernatural. I don't know if it's just they were like, oh, well, it's like, it's more suburbia, it's like a little happier, it's a little. Yeah. Even though it's still not happy, because it wouldn't be supernatural if it was happy. <laughs> but. It's, it's very interesting to see that, like, the colour palettes they use is very similar. Yeah. Like, the colouring and lighting they use is very similar. Mm-hmm. And then having Dean visually, at least, be, like, the odd one out in both of these situations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which I will just say, on Dean's behalf, 
Thank God he wasn't wearing something more like modern. Yeah, God. <laughs> Can you imagine if he woke up on that park bench wearing fucking like skinny jeans, skinny and, jeans, yeah. <laughs> and a band T-shirt for a band that doesn't exist? Like, yeah, right. Or like a Sonny and Cher reunion tour. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, thank God that all he woke up was like straight cut jeans, plaid, and like a leather jacket. I mean, to be like, fair, what else does he ever wear? But yes, exactly. Like, yeah. this could have gone really badly if you yeah. had like. Could have gone really badly if he just, like, wore pyjamas like a normal person. Good thing he sleeps fully clothed, because I'm telling you, Cass would not have taken a second to change his outfit. <laughs> he would have just sent him in just, like, fully just in his pyjamas. Anyway, I'm I'm really fascinated that you pulled this up, because I also noticed a similarity between these two episodes, yeah. but in a very particular scene. Okay, yep. Yeah. So in What Is and What Should Never Be, we have the scene of Dean breaking into Mary's cabinet to steal her silverware. Yeah. And in this episode... We have Dean breaking into Elkins's cabinet, cabinet to steal the cult. Yeah, and the framing is so similar. Mm. Like to be fair, I didn't go back and compare it. Yeah, but in my mind, I was watching. It, I was like, oh, this reminds me so specifically mm. of that scene. Like the way that he's moving. Like the um, the what's the word? The blocking. Yeah, the blocking of the scene is really similar. The way that the room is laid out is really similar. There's a window behind and. Like, all these things. And the way that Elkins comes up on him is similar to how Sam comes up on him. And then that in itself was reminiscent of the pilot. So it's like a triple sort of, like, comparative, like, sequence. Yeah. And I just thought that was really cool. So when you said that there was, like, other stuff that you'd noticed between those two episodes specifically, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Because same, just in a different way. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that, like, we're able to, like, look at them and be so specifically reminded of this other reality. Like, the last time that Dean was put in... Not that this is an alternate reality, but it yeah. is for Dean. It's really funny to his though usual for reality. me now, like hearing that the thing you're comparing directly is like, oh yeah, but this shot looks similar to this shot, and then I was mm. like, oh yeah, but like character beats and like plot yeah. wise. <laughs> the other point I wanted to make though, and I'm I'm interested to talk to you about it, is I realized at the end of the gin dream, he makes the choice that is for him yes not selfish like he makes the yeah. choice to leave the fantasy to go back to his reality which arguably he is less happy in mm. um in a lot of ways but he chooses to go back to it because he knows of his, his purpose and you know he needs to save these people and he needs to help sam and all yes. these things in this instance in like not a direct opposite yeah. but he does choose the selfish route he does decide that he would rather save mary and save him and Sam and John the grief than save all of the people that they help as a result of hunting. See, because that's the other thing I also noticed. Yeah. But I I think it's a little different to that. I don't agree with your framing of it like okay. that. No, go, go, go. So the way I saw it was in the gin dream, he makes the choice of my happiness is not worth these people mm. suffering and dying. Yeah. In this, he makes the choice of... John and Mary's happiness yeah, is worth, is worth yeah. the suffering and loss of those people that otherwise I would have saved. Yeah, and that's such a perfect way to sum it up. It's Yeah, so it's sort of like when he can't make the selfish decision for himself. But he can make it on behalf of others. Exactly. Even if this decision later down the line would benefit him. Yeah, that's not that's why he's not making it. That's not what it's it. about. That's not why he's making it. Yeah. He is making it for the happiness of of John and Mary. He's not making it for his own happiness. I love that reading. And, like, I fully agree with you because, like, 
yeah, that's that's what it is. He's not he's not making it. And like I wrote it down as like he's choosing to make the selfish decision. And I for me, yeah. I was not thinking about it as like necessarily for him, but as like the family unit. Mm. Because I was thinking about his grief, Sam's grief, and John's grief collectively over Mary's death. And also the death of Mary, because yeah. obviously that's a loss for her as well. You know. So yeah, I was Hashtag thinking justice for Mary. <laughs> literally. I was thinking about that as like a family unit, but yeah, absolutely. Like he's not considering himself. And I think that's such an interesting facet of his character that we can, like, follow as well. Like, I think that's – you can pretty much track that through the series thus far. While we're on Mary and Dean, the conversation that they have when he says that he's leaving, like, when he goes to say goodbye to her and she's flipping through the records. Yes, I remember it vaguely. Okay. It's been several hours since I watched, <laughs> watched it. It's already starting to purge from my memory. <laughs> okay. Basically. He's spoken to Deanna and Samuel about um, the demon and he's like, you know, this and this. He Basically, they're like disagreeing. And Deanna is really, really aggressively chopping those bananas. I don't know if you know this, but she's like whacking them like willy nilly. And I was like, you're going to cut off a finger. Anyway, that's completely irrelevant. It was just seemed like a very specific shot because they really framed the bananas. <laughs> oh, actually, this is like a really, this is bizarre. This is not what they were going for. Okay. Either, but I do think it's fun. So because. Wait, no, that's my brand. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna borrow it for a second. This isn't what um, they're going for, but it's fun <laughs> because Dean Hashtag and the trickster is a de- like. <laughs> God, this is gonna keep. This is gonna be like the bloody demon blood. It's just gonna keep coming back up. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. This the demon blood and um, how buff is Sam actually? Ava was robbed. Also, <laughs> Ava, Ava was robbed. Yep. No, what I was going to say is I wonder if because Dean and Samuel are having such a pissing match and then it really shows her aggressively cutting up bananas specifically, I wonder. <laughs> like, she's just done with her shit and she's like, hmm, this is a phallic fruit I can aggressively destroy. <laughs> anyway, that's a fun little representation that is means nothing, but it's fun for me. Basically, after that interaction, Dean goes and he's like, well, I'm leaving. And he pops in on Mary. They're chatting and, and he's like, you know, tell me about John. Mm. And she talks about how he's sweet and kind and still believes in happily ever after. And he's everything a hunter isn't. She goes on to say, I want to get out. This job, this life, I hate it. I want a family. I want to be safe. You know, the worst thing I can think of, the very worst thing, is for my children to be raised into this life like I was. I won't let it happen. Yes, I also... I wrote that down. I didn't yeah. remember what scene it was. I didn't yeah. put two and two together, but yeah. Doesn't it <laughs> just break your fucking heart? Oopsie doopsie. She shouldn't have chosen John. <laughs> like, if she wanted to settle down and have a normal life, she shouldn't have chosen John. Yeah, but, like, this is the thing. That's exactly why she chose him. Because she was like, he's everything that our hunter isn't. And isn't that just... Also, she has, there's a quote earlier from her in this episode that is, uh, I love you for exactly what you are. Yeah. And my note after that was literally just boring as hell. <laughs> so you were right, because later she basically confirms, and even Samuel says, you know, when they're having dinner with Dean, he says that John is a really nice, naive civilian, you know, and he's, like, very, like, particular about that. Like, he yeah. doesn't like that. But that's exactly why Mary likes him. And so it's just crazy that, you know, all this has happened and obviously, yeah. you know, it's what pushes John into hunting. And what breaks my heart is that, obviously, that everything Mary wanted, right? And do you know I talk a lot about Dean being Mary-coded? Yeah. 
Do you get kind of like yeah. more why now? Because like that's everything he wants to. Yeah. He wants out. He wants a life. He wants a family. He wants to be safe. He wants a home. And like that has been the thing that Dean has wanted the whole fucking series. And he too will make a demon deal to make it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, can we talk about that for a fucking... Yeah, that we now have John and Mary and Dean have all made deals. Almost all in a round fucking Robin too. Like, mm, mm-hmm. like Mary made a deal for John. Mm-hmm. John made a deal for, for Dean. Dean. Dean made, made a, a deal, deal for Sam. Sam. Now I'm just waiting for Sam to make a deal for Mary. Completed the circle. <laughs> what, like 20, what is it now? We're in season four, so it's going to yeah. be 26 years later. He uh-huh, brings Mary back from yeah. the dead. Yeah, this is, this is part of my larger theory in which he becomes king of hell, steps, steps up to his rightful position as the leader of hell's armies, wields that fucking mogajo, and then he brings Mary back because he can, because he's that fucking powerful now. Huh. Yeah. I love that for you. And on the side is snorting demon coke. <laughs> but no, so yeah, that's that's 100% what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for us now Sam to make a deal to bring Mary back. I want to complete the circle. Okay. I will. Look, Seems like the sort of fucking thing they do. You'll just have to wait and see. I love that this entire series is literally built on the fact that Mary died and you're like, do you know what? I think, I think she's going to come back. <laughs> I think Sam can fix her. <laughs> I believe in Sam. Yes, look. I no, I don't believe in Sam. I believe in Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> Sam has no idea how to do it. Ruby 100% does. That particular scene really just gets to me every yeah. single time. Like, it just, it gets me right in the heartstrings because here's Dean. And bear in mind, like, he doesn't know his mother. He only knows his mother from when he was four, right? Mm. So this is the first time he's ever really interacted with her mm-hmm. and, like, can properly remember it and everything. Yeah. And, like, first of all, she doesn't even know that she's mm-hmm. his mother. So, like, that's, like, a whole spanner in the works. But then there's also the fact that, like, he's looking at her and she's looking at him and she's saying my worst nightmare is, is exactly you. yeah yeah it's <laughs> exactly what fucking happened to you yeah it's just so but the other thing is she's not just saying my worst nightmare is like my kids growing up in company it's basically like she's saying like she's actually physically saying you specifically and being so young and already so ingrained in the hunting immunity. And yeah, like, she's like, I hate everything that's happened for both of us. Yeah. And I would never want that. And I I do not want that for anyone else, specifically my own children. Uh-huh. And the way she specifically says, I, will, I won't let it happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, she wouldn't have, except that she died. And so that's what he says to her. Look, Mary, this is going to sound crazy, but just promise me you won't get out of bed. Then, of course, we know she still gets out of bed. I... Do want to call out though, mm. Deanna and Samuel. Mm-hmm. They say it's the family business. Yeah, which is hilarious to me because that's also something that John says. Yeah, but I'm going to just take a stab in the dark here and say like they never said it to John, so they come <laughs> up with it independently. <laughs> right. Like, well, actually, did John ever say that, or did Dean say it? I reckon Dean says it in Wendigo. Yeah, but I was assuming he got it from, from John. John. Mm. Because, like, the way I'm pretty sure, like, the context surrounding that makes it pretty clear that that's what John has said. My media literacy may be bad. <laughs> no, you're you're right. It's I also love the way that, like, Dean says, we're practically family. Like, we're all hunters. We're practically family. And, like, God, that whole scenario must be so... Oh, my God. We haven't even talked about the fact that Mary's a hunter. And your prediction. Oh, yeah. 
your fucking bullshit jokey prediction from however fucking long ago is 100% correct and I have been dying about it. Look, How this, does it feel to be validated? This episode might as well just be renamed All the Times Jamie Was Right. Yeah, literally. I have like, been dying to get to this episode. Like, not gonna lie. A whole bunch of, like, and obviously I wasn't 100% correct about all of the details. No. But, like, there is a good chunk of stuff mm-hmm. that I just randomly guessed as, like, other bits and bobs and, like, pieces of my, like, other theories and stuff. Yeah. That all just come true. Yeah. I've been dying for this episode. I've been hanging out for it. <laughs> like, like my theory that the car wasn't really John's? Yeah. Prove it. <laughs> my theory that Mary was a hunter and a better hunter than John? Proven. My theory that, like, Mary made knew something about the demon? Proven. My theory that Mary made a deal with the demon or had worked with him in some capacity? Proven. Like, <laughs> I know. It's, it's a wild time for Jamie today. <laughs> Look, I can't gloat about all of them. We don't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to quickly talk about, like, we've talked about Dean getting called out as, like, like oh, God's chosen you mm-hmm. kind of shit. Yeah. And I love in this episode we have that kid refer to Dean as a Bible thumper. And I just think that's so fucking funny. <laughs> and I also love the quote, the Lord is funny that way. I just, like, when literally last episode, he's like, if you say it works in mysterious ways, I swear. <laughs> oh, I also just want to point out that mm-hmm. the kid they actually go and interview when, they're dressed, when Dean's dressed as a priest and so sad. Who calls him a Bible thumper, yeah. Yeah. Exact same situation as Bella, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't realize it's an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Makes a deal to get rid of an abusive parent, mm-hmm. and then I'm assuming gets fucked over later on. Yeah, we actually I don't think ever find out who that was specifically or what happened yeah. to him. But this is. Do you remember? It's I was, Ava's father. Ooh, I love that. All right, head cannon accepted. Just try to disprove me. <laughs> That's the tagline. For this episode. <laughs> Literally, just try to disprove. <laughs> So, actually, yeah, that's a great tagline for this episode. So, with with the um, – do you remember you asked me, like, do we ever find out, like, more about the people who died? This is as much as we find okay. out. Okay. From my memory. So, we really only find out Liddy and this kid yeah. who I don't even know if they gave him a name. I can't mm-hmm. think of it if they did. They're the only two that we see, yeah. like, they're in the journal yeah. and we know that they were involved somehow and we assume that they were – two of the people who later died, although Liddy never made the deal. So unless he came back and she went through it, but yeah. I somehow doubt that she did. Yeah, so those, that's sort of what I was referencing. Yeah. So from this point, as to my memory, we don't actually get any more information about anyone else who yeah. would have made deals or died around that time. But it's not a far-fetched thought to think that some of the other psychic children's parents would have been in and around the area. So yeah. potentially, yeah, it could have been one of the either Ava's dad or Andy's dad Andy's yeah yeah because um Andy was adopted so we don't know where his parents originated while we're talking vaguely about the deal deals and I just I really really quickly want to mention how fucking weird it is that shot of Mary making out with her father I know it's fucking grot (laughs) it's it always makes me uncomfortable I really do given the way the kid who calls Dean a Bible thumper, yeah. who's abusive dad, he describes Azazel as a man. Yeah. Azazel's bi. I'm sorry. It's not the representation <laughs> you want, but it's the representation you get. Because, like, Christ. assuming he closes all these deals the same way, like, they made out. It's fine. Enjoy your representation. Thanks. <laughs> I guess. 
I'll take what I can fucking get. Oh, one, I had a note about something that John said. It's when he and Mary are sitting at the diner and they're having their discussion and Dean's yeah. like watching them from outside. And he is chatting about her dad. And he goes, he's been like this for how many years? And I think that's hilarious. Because the prequel that Jensen is, mm. is doing is set in 1972, which is one year before Pre-dating this. Yeah. And in the trailer that we've got for the prequel that you haven't seen yeah. for obvious reasons, John and Mary meet. Which means that according to their, like, new canon, he's only been like this for, like, less than a year. But the quote is, he's been like this for how many years? And I'm like, well, according to Jensen, one. We finally got an answer. <laughs> it was one. I'm like, you can lose bro, the plural, it's fine. He's just exaggerating. Mm. <laughs> oh, also, I really love Mary's shirt in that mm. scene with the embroidery. Mm. Beautiful. Love it. Gorgeous. Would wear it. 10 the out costume design has had way too much fun on this episode. Oh, yeah. The dude at the um, diner at, when Dean first wakes up and he's yeah. in, like, the full, like, Sonny and Cher, and, like, yeah. Dean makes the Sonny and Cher comment. Yeah. Oh, I did want to make another mo- note about Mary. When we were in Demon Boot Camp, yeah. and Azazel was talking to Sam, he was telling him how, like, oh, you're, like, you're my favourite kind of yeah. thing. We find out in this episode... Mary was also his favourite. Mary was the favourite. So it's like, is Sam the favourite because Mary was his favourite? Just because of... Yeah, like... Especially considering her family history of hunting. Exactly. And I was just going to touch on your thing about, like, the lineage yeah. and, like, the genetic... I just think it's really fucking fascinating. Next thing we'll find out, they're fucking, like, hunting immunity royalty. <laughs> like, Dean now knows the Campbells or whatever, like, Mary... Yeah. like. And he'll, like, offhandedly mention, like, oh, yeah, like, I found out, like, my mum was part of the hunting community. Like, yeah. her name was Mary Campbell. And, like, the entire bar goes fucking right. Like, <laughs> the Mary Campbell? Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> who's going to think that fucking the Mary Campbell is going to fall for dumbass John yeah. Winchester? <laughs> like, who's going to believe that? Like, they've met John. You really think a Campbell's going to lower their standards that much? <laughs> You know, like, and, like, sort of one of the greatest families of hunters or whatever, like, well-known and yeah. liked in the community. And, like, everyone's got, like, a story about, like, one time or another when, like, Deanna showed up and saved their life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, y- you know, like, imagine that if it's, like, a dynasty of, like, Dude. some of the greatest hunters in the last, like, century and a half. Yeah. All the Campbells. And then, like, it's sort of revealed that, like, the reason they didn't put two and two together is just because they thought John was too much of a dumbass to get, like, a hunter <laughs> like that. Like, you know what I mean? I love this idea that, like, Mary essentially abdicated the throne of yeah. hunter royalty to marry for love. That's a really funny image for me. And now, like, when they meet, like, older hunters, if yeah. they go, oh, like, we're John Winchester's kids, like, will you do it for us? They, they go no, and they're like, oh, well... We're what technically if, Campbell's. What if we were Mary uh, Mary Campbell's kids? Yes. And they're like, oh, anything for Mary. Anything. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of Mary as well, mm. first of all, she says son of a bitch. And I'm like, huh, Dean coded. But also, that's just more Dean Mary coding. Like, if you think yeah, about like, it. Yeah, like, you can't say Dean coded. No. Because no. Mary came first. Yeah, exactly. So it's just more... It's like the Johnification of Sam Winchester, the Maryfication of Dean Winchester. Like, yeah. like I've been saying it's from the top. The mirroring between the parentals is just so yeah. specific. And then even like John to Samuel. So it's yeah. like Samuel, John, Sam, Deanna, Mary, Dean. Like it's <laughs> yeah. 
It's so interesting. But I wanted to talk about the fact that we now know that this is why Mary apologized to Sam all the way back in home. Because she gave Azazel permission. Yeah, essentially. Like, it's her fault, essentially, that this has all happened to Sam. Like, and you can, like, almost trace it, like, because she made the initial deal. Yeah. And Sam, like, obviously was given the blood. Like, it, that, you could interpret it as, it's her fault that he has the psychic powers. Is Dean there when she says, I'm sorry? Yes. But she says it to Sam. But does she, though? Yes. Because what if she recognises Dean and is saying, I'm sorry because she didn't follow his advice? That is so painful, but I'm dead certain she says it to Sam specifically, but also, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) What if she says it to both of them? It's valid either way, honestly. Like, whoever she's apologising to, like, it makes canon sense. I'm I'm so certain that she's saying it to Sam specifically. Like, I can see it in my brain. Maybe I'm wrong. But it hurts either and always. <laughs> but I just wanted to point out, like, now we know why. Okay. I know you're certain it's Sam, but let's pretend for a moment she says it to Dean. Okay. okay? I just want to examine all the ways I can hurt you with this. Are okay. you ready? <laughs> sure. So if she says it to Dean, she's saying, I'm sorry I didn't follow your advice, right? Yeah, I'm sorry I got out of bed. Which... Means that she now recognizes that Dean is her son. She acknowledges that by not taking his advice, mm. she robbed him of a childhood and the one thing she promised her children would never have because she wouldn't let it happen. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. And this is something that always bothers me about. This is the same thing. Well, this is not the only thing that bothers me about the Back to the Future franchise, but it's one of the things that does, which yeah. is how do these people not look at their grown children and think, wow, you have a striking resemblance to this one person who was super specifically important in a particular phase of my life. Like, how does John not look at Dean as an adult and be like, wow, you look exactly like a guy who introduced himself to me as Dean. Helped Van me Halen. Van Halen helped me buy my car and was weirdly interested in everything about me. Okay, so we're going to use a different version of time travel real quick. Okay. So basically what happens is then when you return to, like, you go back, you make all the changes or whatever. Yeah. When you return to your colour in time, you don't know the new timeline because you were the same version of yourself as you were in the previous timeline. Yeah. But you're, like, the timeline's now changed, so everything's slightly different. Yeah. So, no, John didn't say that to Dean every single goddamn day of his life. But Dean doesn't remember any of it because he wasn't actually there for it. That just, like, broke my brain. The tagline for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we coming up with all these slogans? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, also, Deanna really fucked up. Like, she was doing so well. Yeah. And then when Azazel, like, stabbed Samuel, I was like, you could have just been silent. If you had been silent, you could have solved this whole problem. But you screamed, and that was silly. Yeah. And obviously, like, involuntary. But also, babe. You done gone fucked up. And also, I'm so sad that she died because I really love Diana. Uh, Diana? Deanna. Oh, I also love that we get an insight into what hunting was like, like, mm. 40 years ago. Mm. Because I love, like, the point where Dean is, like, asking, like, what information have you got from the web of information that you've gathered, you know? And talking yeah. about them having to wait for the weather reports to come in because, you know, they're getting them posted over or whatever. I, I like that they included those details, you know? That it's less simple. It's yeah. slower, almost. Slower, yeah. And also, like, the fact that Elkins live so close to the Campbells, but they don't know each other mm. seems bizarre. 
you know? Like, because the hunting community, sort of where we are, is, like, they've all kind of heard of each other through someone. Like, Bobby knows a lot of people. So, like, often if they hear about a hunter, like, Bobby somehow knows them. Or, like, at the roadhouse, people would have known each other. Yeah, no, I just, I like that we get this sort of difference between what hunting is like. Do you think maybe the massive change was, like, the opening of the roadhouse or something? It could be. um, But with the roadhouse... I don't know when it was established. Yeah, I don't think but we like, know. I think a lot of it would probably, honestly, I think a lot of it would be online. Like, I think, like, forums, mm. to be perfectly honest, and, like, chat rooms would probably be how people would connect. But, like, yeah, also, like, establishments like the Roadhouse, obviously. It's hard, I guess, because you don't, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. But, yeah, just, like, the pace of everything is so slow. Yeah. And we also find out. It probably means that hunters didn't die as quickly either, like, because, with all the information available immediately, mm. very easy to go in half cop. Yeah. Very easy to go in without all the information. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. sort of forced to wait yeah. for all the information to come to you, you have to sort of think You have to slow it. down and think it through. Like, you're not just like... Yeah. And it's also a matter of just, like, sheer numbers. Mm. Because, like, if you find, a, like, a case every three days you're probably more likely to die just because you are hunting more regularly. Yeah. Whereas, like... You're if, hunting more things. Yeah. More things have a chance to kill you. If it's taking you a month to do one hunt that would now take Sam you have like, a week... opportunities to die a year versus 52. Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, just statistically. Yeah. Oh, I do very briefly want to talk about some of my reactions to this episode. Please do. One of them was when they were like, oh, there's a demon going around making deals. I'm like, are we finally getting Crowley? Oh. It's going to be Crowley? <laughs> And then they revealed it was Azazel, and I, disappointed is the word there. I was so sad. I was like, I'm finally ready for, like, Mark Shepard. Yeah, I am so excited to get Mark. I love his performance, and I'm really, really keen. I am also hanging for Crowley. Like, I I was just like, I was so ready, and, like, they gave, like, a vague description that could maybe fit him vaguely. Like, I don't know that much And then much they said yellow eyes, and you were like, yeah. fuck. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> You're like, I'm so done with this. I'm so done with Azazel. Like, <laughs> I am I am done. I am finished. I don't like Azazel. He's kind of boring as a villain. Not gonna lie. See, I like him, but I understand why you don't. Like, it just, I don't know. It feels like they're like, ah, yes, the big bad Azazel. But it's like, now we've got Lilith. Yeah. I'm over Azazel. Like, why are you bringing yeah. fucking Azazel back up? Like, <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, I think in this instance it makes a lot more sense for it to be Azazel than Lilith or anyone yes, else. Yes, 100%. But, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, I am like, yeah, on one hand they're trying to tell me, like, Azazel's finished. Azazel's dead. It's fine. We don't need to worry about Azazel anymore. Yeah. And then on the other hand they're like, you need to be fucking worried about Azazel, mate. <laughs> yeah, literally. They were like, oh, damn, we killed him, so we can't have him come up in the present. But do you know what we can do? Send you back to the past. Time travel. Like... <laughs> But also, here's the thing, right? He- hear me out here. I'm ready. How do we know Castiel's time travel, quote unquote, mm. is anything other than like the fucking live action replay that Azazel first employed to show Sam? Mm. Like, how 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 do we know? We don't. Exactly. We just have to sort of take him at his word. Yeah. How yeah. do how do we know though that this is actually like time travel and not literally just Cass showing him what he wants him to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't. The information he needs to know, because that's what Cass basically says. Look, I didn't send you back to change shit. I sent you back Mm. to give you the information that we have. Yeah. Yeah, it comes back to that thing where it's like, you could have just told him that. Okay. So, I have something that I want to talk about. 
which is a theory of mine that I I don't think I've ever really seen anywhere else. I could be wrong. So if you have seen this somewhere else and you're like, Bethany, you're lying. Like, I haven't seen it. So this is just a thought that I have about the episode that I find very exciting. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Absolutely not. I am so reluctant and hesitant to share my thoughts. I, you know, I just sit here and I listen every week. I know, it's like trying to get blood uh, from stone getting you, know, you to share your opinions. I, I never have opinions or ideas on this podcast. Never ever you know, a million Truly years. the most ideal podcast guest. You know, always super duper respectful. Okay, so this particular theory okay, yep. is never confirmed. We never get any other context for this that I remember at least. This is purely based on this interaction in this episode. At the start of the episode, Cass basically says to Dean, we've already mentioned this, but he says to Dean, you know, you have to stop it. And he gives him, like, no other fucking context. Sends him back, whatever. Plot twist, what he needs to stop is Sam drinking demon blood. For fuck's sake, Jamie. (laughs) Let me me get through my fucking theory. No. (laughs) This is not the time for your batshit theories. This is the time for my batshit theories. So, okay. And then when at the end of the episode, uh, Dean's come back and cast us the whole, like, now you know everything we know. That was the point of us sending you was actually not that you could stop it. We knew you couldn't stop it, but because we wanted you to know everything we know. And now you don't, right? Yeah. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Because if they just wanted Dean to know what they knew, they could A, either tell them, but we know that's not really the angels, like, MO. No, instead they stick them in time loops. (laughs) Jesus. I'm not going to be able to get through this theory without hearing every single one of yours. (laughs) This is not a complaint, simply an observation. They are delightful. But it doesn't make any sense. The other thing is that they could have shown Dean this stuff. Like, Cass could have time-traveled him back and just shown him. Like, they didn't have to tell Dean that he had to try to do anything. Like They also didn't have to drop him in the deep end yeah. with no idea what was fucking happening. Exactly. Cass could have, like, metaphorically, like, held his hand and walked him through the scenario. Like... Cass could have, like, been his guide through that whole thing. We could have had, like, a lot of interesting discussion between Dean and Cass, like, if we if they wanted to go that avenue, they More really like could have. More like the way they did at the end of season two with Azazel and Sam. Yes, exactly that concept, right? And that in itself would have been really interesting as a parallel of Dean and the angels and Sam and the demons. Like, right? That would have made a lot of sense. But that's not what they did. Because that's less fun for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my theory. When Dean is being cornered by Azazel, once he Azazel has like revealed himself to have been possessing Samuel and he knows who Dean is, he does that whole thing like, oh, you one of my psychic kicks, blah, blah, blah. And through that speech, basically Dean is like trying to like play for time, but also get some information. And he's like, you know, what's your plan anyway? Yeah. Like, what is the point of all of this? And Azazel makes the point that he is not going to tell Dean or the angels perching on his shoulder his end game plan. He's like, I'm going to cover my tracks real good. I'm not telling you my end game, right? Yes, she's raising her hands to ask a question. Yes, Jamie. Can angels sink shrink to like the size of an ant and literally sit on somebody's shoulder? Okay. Are they physically capable of that? They technically can shrink, I suppose. Because what we know of, like, angels' true forms is that they are much, much larger than a human body. So technically, I suppose they can shrink to fit the human form. But also, we do get an episode where Cass is randomly shrunk at one point. Is it called Honey, (laughs) I Shrunk the Angel? Do you know what? I don't know, but it should be. I don't think we ever see a 
in general, I don't think we ever see an angel that is literally so small it could stand on your shoulder. Although that would have been fun. Anyway, is, was that the end of your question? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. So, at the end of the episode, flashing back to that, mm-hmm. Cass specifically says to Dean that the angels don't know Azazel's endgame. Azazel uses the word endgame, and Cass uses the word endgame. Now, there's future context to Cass using dialogue from other characters when he's been eavesdropping and it being a thing that gets him caught out. I'm not going to go into that right now because it's future stuff. But for those who know what I'm talking about, that's going to make a lot of sense. (laughs) My theory is we know that Cass has been keeping track of Dean as he's been like frolicking through time, whatever. Fucking around and finding out. (laughs) Well, yeah, fucking around and finding out. Yeah, exactly. We know that Cass has been around and what I can't remember if Canon has told us yet, but it's not really a spoiler, so I'm going to tell you now, is that angels can be invisible. Like they can be around and we can't necessarily see them. So there's nothing to say that Cass hasn't actually been like invisibly just like following Dean around this entire episode, right? Just like with this like particular theory, my thought is that the angels did not send Dean back either to stop Mary making a deal or so that Dean could learn Azazel's thing, like, so that they he would have as much knowledge as the angels. I don't think that's true. I think the point of sending Dean back and, can like, making him think that the point was for him to stop the deal was so that Dean would end up talking to Azazel and that Azazel would do a big villain monologue and tell Invisible Cass exactly what his fucking endgame was. My thought is that because the angels are really tactical, right? They want to know what Azazel's endgame is, but obviously, like, Azazel's not just going to tell them and they can't fucking find him. Like, it's just, it's all too convoluted. But if they can trick Azazel into telling them what's going on via Dean, then they get a whole pile of information without Azazel even knowing. But Azazel, too good for that, and he specifically says, I'm not going to tell you or the angel perching on your shoulder. That implies to me that between Cass using the word endgame and Azazel specifying, I'm not telling you all the angels, I reckon that Cass was somewhere in that room, invisible to the human eye, but like eavesdropping, and that was the actual intent. Okay, I'm also adopting that as a headcanon. Okay. But he's not just in the room, he's like leaning on Dean's shoulders with his head, like head in his hand. <laughs> like a family portrait? Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed with that image. <laughs> okay, yes, but do you like do you see where like my theory yeah. is like coming from? You like understand like how that would and like I said, we never actually get this confirmed. It's just that like it is in keeping with future characterization stuff for Cass. And also I think it makes more sense than either of the reasons that Cass actually gives Dean as yeah. to why they went through this whole exercise. And what would be really funny, though, is I don't know how time travel works in the supernatural universe. I t- they don't either. But if it's, like, <laughs> if it's fixed timeline theory in that, it's like everything is inevitable, you can't change anything. Yeah, it becomes a paradox because if you change something, then it stops you having a reason to go back in the first place, which means mm-hmm. you don't change it. So yeah. it'd be ironic if the reason why they don't know anything about Azazel's endgame is because he was purposefully covering up his tracks more diligently... Yeah. Because he knew that the Dean angels. and the angels were, like... Looking. And trying yeah. to work out what it was. So he knew if they've travelled back in time yeah. to try and work it out, Weasel obviously, 
it's important that they do not know. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, like I said, it never really gets confirmed or anything. It is just my theory, my headcanon. But I wanted to talk about it because I was very excited about it. And I think it's really fun. But I guess the thing is, especially with Dean, and as we've seen, particularly in these last three episodes, angels aren't real. He's very much of like, I will not believe it unless I see it with my own two eyes. And I think that's like part of why the angels take this particular approach with him. Like, to be fair, like I said, you know, the angels will teach you a lesson by like putting you in the scenario. Mm -hmm. We only really see this in the context of Sam and Dean. I don't know if this is the approach they take with everyone or if it's just these two in particular. Because they've been drinking their dumb bitch juice. (laughs) They're like, well, dad never said. So they have to literally. Everyone else is reasonable. They can get away (laughs) with just like telling him like a normal person. They can just like send them an email and they're like, oh yeah, fine. I believe that. But Sam and Dean, no, 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 no. They need a whole alternate reality to understand. (laughs) But yeah, quite genuinely, like we don't know. We don't have a way to prove that this is true. We just kind of have to accept that it is. And like, unless they find, I'm going to just assume here that they don't care enough about continuity to find, like, they revisit Lawrence, Kansas or whatever, and they find, like, an old photo album, and, oh, wow, there's a random photo of Dean in there as a full-grown yeah. fucking adult, but it's dated <laughs> 1973. Yeah. Like, unless there is actually some physical proof that he was in a was different there. time zone. Yeah. And even that, like, the angels could probably manipulate yeah. some sort of, you know. I do. A photograph. Like, a human could make a doctored version. Like, <laughs> literally, a cast googling how to use Photoshop is just. <laughs> I realized I had one more point about cast that I forgot to make. Yeah, okay. When Dean runs into him when he's tailing John. Yeah. Outside the diner. And he, like, walks around the corner and cast is just, like, standing there. Yeah. Which, again, is another thing that's used a lot in, like, fan made gifts and stuff. It's very fun. Dean is like, oh, what, like, the angels have, like, a fleet of DeLoreans or something? Like, yeah. to that effect, he makes the comment about the DeLorean, obviously yeah. referencing Back to the Future, mm-hmm. because the man is a walking pop culture reference. And Cass, like, just kind of doesn't look at him and, like, sort of gives, like, a whatever, and then he, like, gives his reasoning. We later learn about Cass that he does not know anything about pop culture. He is fully just ignoring whatever the fuck Dean is saying because he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just not paying attention because he doesn't understand what Dean is saying. Like, Dean may as well be speaking a completely incomprehensible language for the amount of sense that he's making. Cass is choosing to ignore him and then just going ahead with what he was going to say anyway. So it's not an Elliot situation? So, you know, like, we just watched Leverage, right? And Elliot's like, I don't watch Star Trek, oh, but yes. then fully understands exactly <laughs> like what the, the code exact fucking opposite. is. The exact opposite. He's just like, I'm going to act like I know what that means. I have no idea what a DeLorean is. I just agreed to something. I don't know what. Yeah, literally. And it's just so funny, like, watching it with that knowledge that Cass has literally no idea what Dean is saying, and he's just going to ignore him and carry on with whatever he was doing. Well, yeah, because Dean, 90% of the time, is talking and, like, Pop culture references and code, yeah. basically. Like, and Cass doesn't understand what any of it means. But it's really ironic because, like, we said even in the first episode where they introduced Cass, like, Cass immediately sees directly through him. Like, mm-hmm. Cass sees through him, reads him for filth and moves on with his day. Like, Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. So it's really funny, though, that, like, everything that's not a pop culture reference, Cass sees straight through. Yeah. Cass knows intimately who Dean is as a person. Yeah. Except for any time he makes any sort of fucking reference. Yeah, literally. It's really funny. It's almost like, because part of Dean's, like, performative nature is those references. Yeah. Because a lot of it is, like, cheap jokes and stuff. And it's, like, it's 
It's a coping mechanism. Mm. He uses humor to, to cope, and we see it all the time. And, like, in this situation where he's, like, super, like, bewildered and out of place and stressed because, like, how am I in 1973? And, oh, my God, that's my dad. And, oh, my, you know, freaking out. Of course he's going to use humor as a coping mechanism because that's what he does. And it's so funny because, like, yeah, he like Cass understands everything except his performance. Like, when he's performing, he's like, the what fuck you, is what that, are you bitch? doing? Like, you know, and this is obviously, like, not exactly what they were... I doubt this was their intent in this particular instance, but it is funny that, like, yeah, Cass understands him so intricately and intimately, but when he's performing, he's like, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's just fucking fascinating. Like, even if it's not intentional, it's just so interesting that that's the, the outcome. Oh, also, quick note on Dean. He literally says dad out loud in the diner, and I just think that's so funny. <laughs> like, he literally is just like, dad? Like, can you imagine if John was like, what? <laughs> let's let's talk about how Dean talks about his dad, though. Okay. In this episode. Not his dad himself, but, like, how he talks about his dad. Okay. The first one that we have to at least mention is, my dad could see the future. Yeah. It's the first time. It's the first time. I see someone got that recommended allotment of dumb bitch juice today. (laughs) It's the first time that Sam has been Dean's parent coded. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Is this how you feel when I make these fucking jokes? (laughs) We talk about the Johnification of Sam Winchester. This is the Samification of John Winchester. I mean, you do got to kind of wonder, like, is the reason he, like, is that what he jumped to because it was just sort of in his brain what made the most sense to be able to say? Or is it because he was kind of thinking of Sam in the background and, like, that influenced, like, a little bit? I mean, I guess, like, the demon is on his mind. Like, it could very, even if he didn't intend for that to be the jump, like, it makes sense that that would be, like, you know, in the back of his mind doing, like, cartwheels. We also, I find it really interesting that, well, not really... It's supernatural. How interesting can it be? Um, um, fucking fascinating, Jamie. How many times have I said the word fascinating or interesting in this last two hours alone? He doesn't say anything negative at all about his dad ever in this mm-hmm. episode. There is not a single line that he says about his dad that is even slightly negative. Like, it's all very neutral. Yeah. Which I find fascinating because even when Mary's doing her whole spiel about... My kids will never be raised in this life. I will not let that. That is unacceptable to me. Yeah. He doesn't say anything about John and the way he was raised. But also, he doesn't jump to defend his dad or the way he was raised. Yeah. It's really interesting. Do you have any, like, do you want to expand on that at all? No, man. That was as poignant as I get. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree with you. I, I think, like, as much as we as the audience are getting to see John in a different light, like the pre-Mary's death John. Mm. So is Dean. Because Dean knew his mum as a civilian Mm. and his dad as a hunter. That's the only way he ever, ever knew them. And this episode is the exact opposite. Mm. Like, he goes back and he gets to meet his mother, the competent hunter, Mm. and his dad, the naive civilian. And it's a complete flip on what he knows of his mother as the competent civilian and his dad as the naive hunter. <laughs> like, his entire worldview has been completely turned upside down. The fact that this kid is not catatonic 
just like having a, I literally, the number of times I wrote, Dean is having a moment, TM, in my notes, you know, I, at least two or three times. Yeah, it's just so, it's so interesting the way that John and Mary have been contrasted, I guess, against each other. They're like reverse mirrors. Mm. It's like they're moving in opposite directions Mm. and they like have crossed at this point. And they were only compatible in that, like, 0.2 of a second where they were about to meet and then... We get more information about what John and Mary's relationship was like as well. So this will be really interesting to come back to. I don't want to get into it now. I want to talk for a little bit about how insane the timing is of the deals. Okay, so my man Azaziel. Yeah? Azaziel. Azaziel. (laughs) That's his name now, right? (laughs) I'm fine. Uh, He's gone around and made all these deals, right? Mm-hmm. But also, when he comes to collect on the deal, the baby needs to be six months old because all of this shit happens on the six-month birthday. How – I wonder – Is it, like, after I'm, 10 years, it's allowed to be any time? Or if it has to be exactly 10 years, is the exact six-month birthday? Because if so, that shit is fucking batshit. How many <laughs> deals do you think Azazel made? That's why he's making to, so many. <laughs> how many do you think he made? to get? Because he gets, like, you know, in the Demon Hunger Games we see, there's, like, five, s- five six people. Yeah, and so you got Ava's been Lily, there for seven months, I Lily, think. Jake, Ava, months. Andy, and Sam. Yeah. So there's five of them. Five? Yeah. And it, like, Ava's. say each Demon Hunger Games lasts a week. Uh-huh. And Ava's been reigning champ for five, five months. months. So assuming that she was part of the very first Demon Hunger Games. Yeah. That's assuming no Demon Hunger Games Prior. where she managed to overthrow the reigning champ. Mm-hmm. That's 20 times five. That's a hundred fucking kids. Yeah. A hundred kids. All who are 22. Yeah. All whose parents made deals. Ten years prior. Jesus Christ. Maybe this is why not everyone died in nurseries. Maybe people who didn't have kids at the right age, he just rocked up to do something else. You know, or like take something else and that's why they died. Mm. Like maybe a hellhound came for them like normal. Like if he couldn't get their kid, maybe he just got their soul. But what would have happened? Okay. What would have happened if Mary didn't have Sam? What if she only had Dean at the time? What if... Her and John didn't have the second kid, and so the only kid was, like, five years old. Or maybe this was all part of the science experiment. Although, I guess that kind of ties into your, like, idea of, like, there being generations. This does kind of disprove your theory, unfortunately, that, like, Mary was a special child somehow, or, like, that there have been generations of demon blood ultimately building up to, like, a certain, like, ratio of human to demon blood, which, by the way, was a theory I adored. And, like, is so fucking interesting. This episode does disprove it. But just as a theory, like, as a headcanon, absolutely gold standard. It's great. I love it. You're looking at me confusedly. I'm, uh... (laughs) You're like, I've forgotten what I said. (laughs) I don't remember this prediction. Oh, I do... Look, we we haven't spent enough time on it this episode. As in, we haven't really spent any time on it. We briefly mentioned it and then we moved on. Let's just talk for a hot tick. About how Samuel's way more supportive than John. Just generally. Just generally. Like, they try to frame Samuel as, like, this hard-ass hunter who just, you know, doesn't want his daughter to settle down with a civilian and he's really unreasonable for that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's how they're trying to frame him. But also, like, he acknowledges 
he doesn't reprimand Dean for not taking the shot. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. And, like, to the point where, like, even when Dean is like, I missed the shot, he's like, take the compliment. I'm telling you, you did good. And he just can't. Yeah. Like, he's just like, what do you mean? It's a father figure approving of his choices. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do with that. But even then, like, at what point does... Samuel get possessed. Like, is this just a Zazel pretending to be a good dad for the second, second time? Because <gasps> we oh don't know when he God. gets possessed. We don't. We don't. <laughs> Isn't it really sad when a Zazel's a better parent than fucking half of the parents? <laughs> and this goddamn fucking child. Literally. Literally. <laughs> And you know what? It's a shame that none of these kids were actually his because he probably would have been a decent parent. Well, yeah, I remember in um, the finale of season one or the, um, or is it Salvation season one, Dean shoots the demon and Azazel makes the point of like, that was my son or daughter or something. Yeah. And like, those were my kids. And it's just like, damn, he like loves his children. Imagine that. <laughs> Can't relate. Yeah, no, I love the idea that it's just Azazel. So being literally the only consistent parent in Dean's life. Hey, that is Bobby slander. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. We love Bobby. And later on, we get some some other excellent parental figures. Parental figures. It's really funny because some of them are literally Dean's age, but they really take him up to their wing. Okay, I think maybe speed round of stuff that I think we've probably forgotten to talk about, but we should probably acknowledge just so people know that we haven't fully forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, there's honestly, there's so much from this episode. It's inevitable we're going to forget something, and I'm so sorry in advance. Okay, straight up, off the top of the episode, confirmation Dean remembers hell. Yes. 100%, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. He remembers hell, he's having nightmares, it's a very gay scene, not because of the bed sitting. <laughs> My second point is, Yes, I do want to re-acknowledge the lighting. I briefly talked about it in comparison to what is and what should ever be. Mm-hmm. But, like, also, holy shit, I could fucking see something that was I know, odd. crazy. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I, I exited out and I made sure it was actually supernatural. <laughs> it's very weird the moment when Dean's just, like, straight up stalking his father oh, yeah. in the past. It's like, that's a little weird. Like, I get, like, he's, he's literally trying to work out any fucking shit. And, like, it's the one connection he's found so far. the only lead he has, yeah. Like, but also, I do want to ask, just real quick, where the fuck did he get the car from? Oh, I don't know. I think we're supposed to assume he just hotwired one. Like, I I guess, because I also wanted that. I assume that's just the the link we're supposed to make. Like, did he he hire it or did he hotwire it? I'm not going to think he hired it. I think think that one's been stolen. Uh, let's just acknowledge the fact that he's like, wow, my mom was a babe. Oh, yeah, I was wondering if we were going to talk about that. Immediately acknowledged it's weird. He's corrected as fucking weird as hell. Yeah, I'm glad that he's at least self-aware. And I like that he says that he's going to hell. And then I love that he specifies again. Oh, I just wanted to make a real quick shout out to the good version of Supernatural that lives in my head. <laughs> in that version, Azazel once again possesses John. And then it is Azazel as John who makes the deal with Mary. Oh. Yeah. Spicy. Mm. I did want to quickly mention the massive oopsie-doopsie, which is outlining your entire plan to the goddamn demon you're trying to kill. Yeah. <laughs> That's an oopsie-doopsie and a half. That's an oopsie-doopsie right there. It, it's At least he didn't fall for the trap of giving the demon the gun. Yes. It is interesting that both times that Dean 
faced Azazel impersonating a father figure. It yeah. was when Azazel asked for the gun that Dean caught on to something yeah. being wrong. Like, when it, he was possessing John, it yeah. was like, give me the gun, son, I won't miss. And Dean was like, you know what, actually, no, you're being too fucking nice. You know, like, that was the last thing that kind of tipped mm. him over the edge. And then in this one, he's like, can I can I touch it? And he's like, mm, no. And also, suddenly, I'm more suspicious of you. But also, like, in this version of these events, yeah, it confirms that Azazel knows where the gun is the entire time. Yeah. It does. I want to know how it gets back to Elkins then. Like, does yeah, Mary take it back to Elkins? Because Dean said he would leave it at the Campbells, so... Yeah. I guess he just leaves it with Mary, or he just... Actually, no, because he's still holding it when Cass teleports him. Yeah. So maybe Cass just does that as part of the, like... Full service? Yeah. <laughs> like a chauffeur. Five out of five. <laughs> I mean, look, the magical relocation of the cult is a topic that we've visited before. <laughs> The cult has other properties that we don't understand. Yeah. And it just it's just conveniently relocates itself to wherever the story needs it to be. Yeah. I also want to do a quick shout out to the line, you two are meant to be hell, I'm depending on it. Okay. I think that's me pretty well done for this episode. Cool. One more thing. Okay. What do you think my PSA is going to be for this episode? Oh my god. I, oh, support your children. Even if they don't want to go into the family business. That's applicable to every episode, so it's not this episode. Okay. I stand by it, though. Okay. So my PSA for this week is a little more serious. And after those vibes, let's bring them down. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect way to end the episode. Being homeless is not a crime. Treat people asleep on park benches with respect. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to add to that. Lovely. Back to to the vibes. Be be nice to people, honestly. It doesn't cost you anything. Be nice. Mm Mm-hmm. We're all much closer to being homeless than we are to being Jeff Bezos levels rich. Like, just keep that in fucking mind. Oh, and one final thing that I forgot to mention. It is actually a to-be-continued episode. So Yeah, it is. Yeah. How would you rate this episode in the beginning? Oh, five. Look, I'm debating between a three and a half and a four. Okay. Is the point five because John is in it? Yes. A lot of things I really liked about this episode... Cass was very entertaining this episode. I'm starting to see a little bit more of like why people are like obsessed with him. I love that. I can see I, I can see why he's a blue boy. Yeah. I also really love Mary in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's iconic. Yeah. I, I love Mary in this episode. I also want to quickly point out, because we did not mention it at all, but I love the casting of young John and young Mary. Mm. They're very well received in fandom. Yeah. Love Mary, but I just I don't like John. And the fact that it this establishes the entire reason that Dean and Sam had a shitty childhood and all of this fucking bullshit happens was because Mary saved John? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that shit at all. I think the only thing that like bothers me about this episode, and I, I love this episode, mm-hmm. I do, is the, like, they make John likable. Like, they just make him like a normal fucking human being. And I think it serves a purpose to be like, he was so fucked up after Mary died. Yeah. That he became this unrecognizable shell of himself kind of thing. But I'm also like, this John would have been a good dad. Yeah. Like, this John would have done all the normal fucking parent things and, like, actually given a shit. And it's so frustrating that he abandoned, like, to know that he abandoned all of that part of himself in his grief mm. and just became so solely focused on avenging Mary. It's it's just I, it's interesting because it makes him a more layered and complex character, but it does make him even more frustrating in retrospect for me. Okay. Honest. So, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. I can I can respect that. 
I would have been shocked and disappointed if you rated it anything less than a 3.5. Yeah. The next episode, which is our To Be Continued, mm-hmm. is called Metamorphosis. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams, predictions? So what I was going to say before is I'm going to assume that the next episode is going to be Sam-focused and we're going to sort of find a little bit about where Sam had gone while Dean was doing his old time travelling bullshit. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume it's about like Dean tracking Sam down, finding out where Sam was and what he's doing. And, of course, metamorphosis, mm-hmm. like turning into a butterfly and achieving <laughs> your final form. And- yeah. So I'm going to assume that Sam's final form is powerful as fucking shit and inherently evil. Oh, okay. So that's what he's been doing with Ruby. Inherently evil? That's a hot take about our baby boy Sam. Just remember for a fact that Cass said he's going down a path and we're going to have to kill him if you can't stop him. True. I'm assuming the path he's going down is evil. Okay. <laughs> that's a look Because demons and shit. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. I just... And I'm not saying Sam is inherently evil. I'm saying what he's turning into is inherently evil. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I just... I wanted a little clarification. I thought it was a pretty hot take. So if that is everything, thank you so much for listening to us ramble on for... God knows how long this episode's going to be at the end, but thank you for listening if you've made it this far. Hopefully you have had as much fun listening back as we have had recording. If you wanted to interact with us on any of our socials, either about this episode or any other, you can always check out all of those things in the link in the description below. Some topics for conversation include... The fact that Trickster's actually an angel. (laughs) Jesus, I'm never going to hear the end of this, am I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look if you can disprove me send it to beth first so she can vet it <laughs> and then let me know parallels between this episode and what is and what should never be oh yes absolutely please hit us up with any because i'm sure there are some there i just i can't remember what is and what mm. should never be clear enough anyway thank you again so much for listening and hopefully we have you back next week bye, bye. <laughs>